This episode of Internet Today is brought to you by Magic Spoon. On Monday of this week, an absolute treasure trove of documents, now referred to as the Facebook Papers, were sent directly to various news organizations, which correspond directly to the claims that have been made by the now unmasked internal whistleblower named Francis Haugen. In case you've somehow missed our previous videos on the topic, Haugen worked as a project manager in Facebook's Civic Integrity Department, and she initially leaked a set of documents to the Wall Street Journal, and then that brought to light the worst of what we all assumed was going on behind the scenes at Facebook. Manipulation, misinformation, impacts on mental health, harboring extremism, putting profits over the health and safety of its users, and just straight up making the world a worse place to live in general. Yeah, just putting profits above everything. Yes. So after internal documents were leaked to the Wall Street Journal, Haugen went public during a sit-down interview with 60 Minutes, and in the week since that interview, she has also testified on Capitol Hill in front of members of a Senate subcommittee where, according to NPR, she confirmed to them that Facebook consistently chose to maximize its growth rather than implement safeguards on its platforms, just as it hid from the public and government officials internal research that illuminated the harms of Facebook products. Quote, the result has been more division, more harm, more lies, more threats, and more combat. In some cases, this dangerous online talk has led to actual violence that harms and even kills people, Haugen testified. Even this week, as tens of thousands of documents were made available to more outlets, Haugen sat before British lawmakers in Parliament to reiterate the claims made elsewhere. But uh, back to the documents in question. Uh, while Haugen was testifying over in the UK, uh, over a dozen news outlets released articles based on her leaked documents, which were filed with the Securities and Exchange Commission and Congress. And in doing so, they brought to, to light a few new things that we hadn't heard before. New information has come to light. Yeah, or just a, a lot of uh, internal conversations that were directly sourced that backed up what uh, she was saying initially. So let's just go through some of the headlines and see what other outlets have uncovered by sifting through the Facebook papers. Facebook's dirty-ass laundry. Mm -hmm. This laundry's filthy. Yeah, it smells by, like doo-doo. By the way, we are going to leave links to all these articles in the description below so you can dig deeper. It's all uh, extremely fascinating. Um, it's all things that, again, we assumed were happening, but... Uh, the detail that it goes into, these are tens of thousands of documents. So, yeah. And it took uh, these companies a long time to get through it and uh, write about it. So there's going to be more coming out too, I assume. It's just, it's a lot. And it's all extremely interesting. And there's like 10 different things that you can look at in this to yeah. get angry at them for. It's a lot of stuff. The biggest thing for me is that uh, so many Facebook employees are doing that thing like in the, the Mitchell and Webb look where they're like, are we the baddies? Yeah, no, there's a lot of, hmm. uh, like, moral quandaries. Like, yeah. hey, hey, does everyone realize that we're probably hurting the entire world? Am I making humanity? the world a worse place yeah, it's, through my a, job? At least they, I mean, I don't know if at least they, but they, it seems like they were aware of it and at least spoke up about it, but that fell on deaf ears to a lot of the higher-ups. Yeah. It's, you know, it's whatever. I mean... Here, you'll see. The Atlantic's article uh, went into details relating to the fallout and employees' moral questioning that took place within the company in the wake of the January 6th attack on the Capitol. That evening, Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook's founder and CEO, posted a message on Facebook's internal chat platform known as Workplace under the heading Employee FYI. Let me do my best, Mark Zuckerberg. Mm -hmm. This is a dark moment in our nation's history. And I know many of you are frightened and concerned about what's happening in Washington, D.C., I'm personally saddened by this mob violence. Uh, Facebook staffers weren't sad, though. They were angry, and they were 
very specifically angry at Facebook. Their message was clear. This is our fault. Chief Technology Officer Mike Schroepfer asked employees to hang in there as the company figured out its response. We've been hanging in there for years, one person replied. We must demand more action from our leaders. At this point, faith alone is not sufficient. All due respect, but haven't we had enough time to figure out how to manage discourse without enabling violence? Another staffer responded. Great point. Yeah. We've been fueling this fire for a long time, and we shouldn't be surprised it's now out of control. One of the darkest days in the history of democracy and self-governance, yet another staffer wrote. History will not judge us kindly. Yeah, uh, so that's, that's Facebook's own employees. Yeah. This isn't like a bunch of people outside of their offices reacting to what's happening. These are people inside the building. Who know the inner workings yeah. and how everything works there. Anyway, NBC News added quotes from employees in their reporting on the internal fallout from January 6th. I'm struggling to match my values to my employment here, an employee wrote in a comment. I came here hoping to affect change and improve society, but all I've seen is atrophy and abdication of responsibility. Another employee asked, how are we expected to ignore when leadership overrides research-based policy decisions to better serve people like the groups inciting violence today? These are great, great questions. Great questions, yeah. But back in the article from The Atlantic, they add that the documents are astonishing for two reasons. First, because their sheer volume is unbelievable. And second, because these documents leave little room for doubt about Facebook's crucial role in advancing the cause of authoritarianism in America and around the world. Again and again, the Facebook papers show staffers sounding alarms about the dangers posed by the platform, how Facebook amplifies extremism and misinformation, how it incites violence, how it encourages radicalization and political polarization. Again and again, staffers reckon with the ways in which Facebook's decisions stoke these harms, and they plead with leadership to do more. And again and again, staffers say Facebook's leaders ignore them. Yeah, hey, maybe we should make it so that, uh, you know, within like three days of signing up and hitting the like button on like Fox News and like a few other things, you aren't getting spammed with uh, recommendations for like anti-vax and conspiracy theory groups. Yeah. That would be, that would be great. And so we should think about doing that. As you'll see, if you dig into these, the reports about these documents or the documents themselves, like this is, you know, as we've said before, Mark Zuckerberg is very oddly, extremely hands-on. And a lot of the biggest decisions revolving around Facebook come directly from him. In a lot of companies, the CEO or president or whatever tends to somewhat try to distance themselves from, you know, micromanaging, mm -hmm. especially when it's a company that big. Mark Zuckerberg is one of the most hands-on, like specifically in the tech realm that I've seen. Very handsy. Because people like to separate themselves from something going wrong, typically. Yeah, yeah. they like um, to have a buffer. Yeah. In this case, Mark Zuckerberg, like you can run this up the ladder, but once it gets to him, he's just going to be like, no, I mean, we're, we're running a business here and uh, business is booming. But also, I don't know what you're talking about. That's a great question, Senator, and we will be sure to get back to you with a better answer when we can. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, in a separate article, The Atlantic focused on the problems that arose outside of the U.S. due to the company not providing enough resources to properly moderate content. We, of course, know the big one, Myanmar, yeah. where Facebook, oops, did a genocide. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they talked about how, according to the internal documents, Facebook was well aware that their platform was responsible for facilitating crimes like human trafficking and whatnot, but failed to properly act until their business was potentially affected by a threat from Apple. Mm -hmm. A few years back, a BBC investigation revealed a network of human trafficking that utilized, among other apps, Instagram as a marketplace for slave labor. Jesus Christ. Uh, in the wake of this report, Apple threatened to remove Facebook and Instagram from their app store. Quote, 
Motivated by what employees describe in an internal document as potentially severe consequences to the business that would result from an App Store ban, Facebook finally kicked into high gear. The document makes clear that the decision to act was not the result of new information. Was this issue known to Facebook before BBC inquiry and Apple escalation? Yes. Oh. So yeah, there was crimes happening on our app, but uh, I guess we just didn't really get get around to it until it threatened our bottom line. Yeah, they would t- they would like every once in a while they would you know go through and delete like a hashtag yeah. or find a council, and they're like, "Cool job, well done." I guess we can all go home now. You did great um, today, Mark. And and obviously, like you know, in a lot of other countries, they're not putting apparently putting resources into moderation teams and also localization of languages. Yeah, they, so it's harder for them to identify extremism or uh, human trafficking or anything like that. Yeah, with Myanmar, I think there was one uh, local employee, and I don't even know if they lived in Myanmar. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if you're running, you're, you're expanding into all these countries, but you're not actually employing anyone who knows the local culture and language. And No, you're just throwing uh, that. Yeah, like, you know, the populace will figure it out. Yeah, and just letting the algorithm run wild. This is going to be... I, like in decades, this is going to be one of the biggest experiments that's ever been just just thrown onto the entire world's population and how everyone yeah. used it. And it is a, it's a damning indictment of how we are as people. Yeah. Yeah. When we're a little bit older, it's watching the TV. Has you or anyone you know been affected by brain worms? Yeah. <laughs> you may be entitled to compensation. Exactly. Um, that article, it goes on to say that, according to the documents, Facebook is aware that its products are being used to facilitate hate speech in the Middle East, violent cartels in Mexico, ethnic cleansing in Ethiopia, extremist anti-Muslim rhetoric in India, and sex trafficking in Dubai. It is also aware that its efforts to combat these things are insufficient. A March 2021 report notes, we frequently observe highly coordinated intentional activity by problematic actors that is particularly prevalent and problematic in at-risk countries and contexts. The report later acknowledges current mitigation strategies are not enough. They summarize by saying that Facebook is a company that has pursued worldwide growth since its inception. And then when called upon by regulators, the press and the public to quell the problems its sheer size has created, it has claimed that its scale makes completely addressing those problems impossible. That's how convenient. Yeah. How, how convenient for you. Anyway, <sighs> over in the Washington Post's coverage of this, they point out that Zuckerberg sided with Vietnam's Communist Party to suppress speech on the platform there. So he's uh, he's willing to crack down when... Uh, it affects the bottom line. it affects the bottom line. Yeah. Uh, late last year, Mark Zuckerberg faced a choice. Comply with demands from Vietnam's ruling Communist Party to censor anti-government dissidents or risk getting knocked offline in one of Facebook's most lucrative Asian markets. So Zuckerberg personally decided that Facebook would comply with Hanoi's demands, according to three people familiar with the decision, speaking on the condition of anonymity to describe internal company discussions. Ahead of Vietnam's party Congress in January, Facebook significantly increased censorship of anti-state posts, giving the government near total control over the platform, according to local activists and free speech advocates. Zuckerberg's role in the Vietnam decision, which has not been previously reported, exemplifies his relentless determination to ensure Facebook's dominance, sometimes at the expense of his stated values, according to interviews with more than a dozen former employees. Because, yeah. yeah, most of the time, he's, you know, free speech. We is, just let people do whatever Free speech they... is the most important value and virtue mm-hmm. around today. We we are all about free speech. Oh, oh, you do it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll do something about that. Oh, well, that, well, that market is uh, 
increasingly important Very to us. lucrative. Well, Very on the up and up. Uh, we would hate to lose that. So, uh, you know, whatever you need. Whatever you need. Uh, the reporting also restates other vital pieces of information that came to light in the initial leak, uh, but also bears repeating. Zuckerberg testified last year before Congress that the company removes 94% of the hate speech it finds before a human reports it. But internal documents show that its researchers estimated that the company was removing less than 5% of hate speech on Facebook. That's a bit of a difference. In March, Zuckerberg told Congress that it was not at all clear that social networks polarize people when Facebook's <laughs> own researchers had repeatedly found that they do. This is like, again... Like, this test has been done by so many researchers where you, you literally just start from scratch, new computer, uh, new web browser, new IP address, create yeah. create a Facebook profile, and just sort of mimic the expected behavior of an average person. Yes. And within days, you're just going down fucking insane rabbit holes of extremism yes. without even trying. And that's the thing is, like, he... Uh, according to these reports, is just lying. Because it, yeah. the internal documents clearly what? show almost the exact opposite of what he is saying is true. Yeah. Um, now, for their part, all the statements made from Facebook to the various outlets reporting on these documents, are it's essentially the same response. That the documents and statements are all cherry-picked and devoid of context, specifically with the intent to misrepresent or mischaracterize the company. They're your documents! <laughs> you! Your, your employees <laughs> chatting! Ah! <laughs> And uh, yeah, you already know where we stand on Facebook, even well before the Facebook papers or Cambridge Analytica or any of those other scandals. It's one of the worst things to happen to humanity in our lifetime. And the world would be a better place if it had never existed. Mm. Uh, honestly, if there was one chance to actually change the general public's opinion on Facebook to the point where it was convincing enough to enough people to drop Facebook and yeah. move on, uh, we are Currently living in it, hopefully, yes. but it's hard to be optimistic that anything will change because we've been through these scandals so many times before. It's been five years of just uh, evidence every like three months. There's a huge Mark Zuckerberg being covered in shit, but he's also covered in Teflon. So it just nothing seems to stick. Um, but yeah, we've got hard, irrefutable evidence that paints Facebook in an absolutely horrible light. Once but, again, <laughs> but we're still unconvinced that anything substantial will change. And even if something does change. Uh, it might be temporary or it might make way for an even bigger problem to come through yeah, in its like, wake. In the initial uh, reporting, it was like, yeah, you can like, you can turn down the hate button for a little while and then like crank it back up. Yeah. You can like, they, they have the ability to literally like pull things back and be like, all right, don't, don't show them too much crazy shit. We got an election coming up. Uh, and then they're like, right, okay, we're back to square one. Didn't they, uh, a few, cause Facebook does interesting they, they beta test features on their users without, like, notifying them. Hmm. Um, and so, like, a few times they, they straight out, they've straight up come out and said, like, yeah, so last week we tried this thing where uh, we tried to just, like, see how mad we could. If we show these people a bunch of really negative uh, sentiment stories, yeah. like, will that affect their posts and make them more angry? And yes, turns out, yes, we did that, by the way, uh, without asking anyone's <laughs> permission. Like, we just wanted to see what would happen. Literally affecting the mental health of people. <laughs> yeah. You're guinea pigs. Yeah. You're the product. There's also, a, uh, there was a point, part in here about how uh, Facebook had this thing in place that was like, uh, completely just fact-based voter information, uh, like a portal for voter information that they were uh, setting up for the 2020 election. All fact-based fact statements and stuff like that. And then they wanted uh, to like uh, do a Spanish version 
for like WhatsApp and stuff like that. And Mark Zuckerberg personally was like, uh, that'll make us look biased towards like the Democratic Party. Interesting. Yes. Very. Hmm. So they did like a scaled back version of it is what they ended up launching. If, if we embrace the Spanish language, that's, that shows favoritism <laughs> to the Democrats. Yeah. Um, wow. Again, there's a lot more outlets that have coverage on all of these documents. And we've linked the ones that we've re referenced as well as a few more down in the description below in case you'd like to read further. But moving on now, uh, we do have more news for you today. That story was just a, that was a big one. Yeah. And we're sure there will be much more information coming out of those documents and the reactions from the world and the governments of the world in the coming days and weeks, hopefully. Mm -hmm. So we'll keep an eye on things there, but let's take a quick second to thank today's sponsor. That's right, baby. Magic Spoon. Growing up, cereal was one of the best parts of being a kid, but then you realize it's just packed full of junk and sugar and all that kind of stuff that you shouldn't be eating. Luckily, Instep's Magic Spoon, with a great tasting cereal that's got zero grams of sugar, 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. Also, only 140 calories. Wow. Try uh, Magic Spoon's best-selling flavors in a four-flavor variety pack, including the cocoa one we have right here, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. My personal favorite still, uh, well, the maple waffle, obviously, but overall, yeah. cookies and cream. Yeah, from the main four-pack, peanut butter would yep. be my favorite. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the uh, you know they got other flavors, and I don't know, they're all pretty great. But yeah, I think cookies and cream, or maybe even berry, but then the maple waffle. It, there's a lot of great flavors here, the, folks. The seasonal approach, I really appreciate. Yeah, so it tastes exactly like cereal, the regular cereal from your childhood that you loved, but... It's super nutritious. Honestly, maybe too good to be true, but it's not. And by the way, it's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. Click the link down below to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use the promo code TODAYDAILY at checkout to get $5 off of any order. Or just go to magicspoon.com slash todaydaily. By the way, they're now shipping up to the Great White North in Canada. Mm -hmm. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money, no questions asked. Click the link below and use the code TODAYDAILY for $5 off or go to magicspoon.com slash todaydaily to save $5 today. I'm going to get one more bite before we go back to the news. There you go. Mm. Delicious. But yes, back into the news with a... Uh... A new story about a somewhat old topic, PPP loan scams. Remember those? Oh, yeah. Remember PPP loans from the beginning of the pandemic? Well, not the beginning, but what- uh, Not the, early like, enough. For yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. In the long run of the pandemic, pretty early on, considering yeah. we're still- Relatively speaking. Yes. They were the uh, government loans that businesses could receive so that they could continue to pay their employees and stay afloat during the pandemic when everything was shutting down. They were just handing these things out, and which I- I, I thought it was a, a great decision at that point because, like, you don't want to have to means test millions and millions of applications. Like, yeah. if someone is uh, attesting that they're asking for money in good faith, just give it to them. And yeah, there's going to be a couple liars in there. And uh, you'll, you'll find them. You'll find them and <laughs> yeah. deal with that later. It's, it's not very hard to find. But for now, to sign off on all this. Yeah, for now, get the money where it needs to go. But wouldn't you know it? People are very stupid and yeah. took a bunch of these loans. Sometimes millions of dollars. Sometimes with their uh, the, using the identities of family members without yeah. even letting them know. And then uh, spending all of that money on ridiculous items. Yep. Items that would say to anyone, maybe look into this. This guy's probably doing something illegal. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, as we've said, there's been no shortage of stories regarding these idiots who took these loans that they clearly didn't need, but also spent the money on frivolous items like boats and luxury cars. Like, 
what's not going to raise some alarm bells? I don't know. I'll go buy a Ferrari. I needed it. I My business needed it because I needed to look really cool. No one's going to hire yeah. a lawn maintenance guy that just drives an F-150. You got to have a little pizzazz. I need that Ferrari. Yes. And a tow package on it. Make sure yeah. it has a tow package. Yeah. Uh, it was even reported recently that more than 15% of all PPP loans could be fraudulent, resulting in somewhere around $76 billion worth of fraudulent loans. And earlier this week, the Justice Department released a document that shows just how crazy people went with these loans, which were, again, meant to save struggling businesses and keep people fed. Uh, this includes, of course, uh, one instance where a guy dropped nearly $60,000, which was apparently the majority of his entire loan, on a single Pokemon card, which, in hindsight, at might least have been a, a good Lamb investment. At least, like a, I mean, for sixty k, well, you can get a decent. I think you can get like the the entry level Corvette for sixty k. Like at least with that, you can drive it around, you can rev it, you can have a good time. One Pokemon. Well, you drive that Corvette off the lot, and you just lost twenty thousand dollars. You drive the Pokemon car off the lot. It's uh, it's probably going to increase in value. Yeah. Jake Paul puts it around his neck and walks out onto the boxing ring, and next thing you know. You're paying that loan back with with your own interest. I wonder if any of these PPP love scammers bought NFTs, bought some lazy lions with their. Uh, I think it was a little <laughs> too late for that. Like, it, <laughs> if if the NFT craze had coincided with the timeline of like the initial burst of PPP loans, I could definitely see that happening. Yeah. But I bet that a lot of it did go into cryptocurrency. I think we even talked about a story where someone bought a bunch of Bitcoin or something with a yeah. PPP loan. Wow. Like, well, this will be easy. I'll just pay it back. Yeah. And keep all of the mine, money that I've earned. Mine go up. So, yeah. What could go wrong? Yeah. From the Washington Post. One man was charged with spending his loan money on strip clubs. Another pleaded guilty to using his funds for a $318,000 Lamborghini. But Vinath Udomzin may be the only person accused of using his small business loan on a single Pokemon card. Prosecutors say the card cost the Georgia man $57,789, more than two-thirds of his federal aid, which officials say was based on false information. The wire fraud charge brought it last week against Udom Zine is part of a federal crackdown on alleged misuse of massive relief programs that threw lifelines to businesses during the pandemic, but also raised concerns about scams and waste. A federal watchdog said this month that the Small Business Administration overpaid $4.5 billion in grants to self-employed people and that no system of controls was in place to flag applications with flawed or illogical information, even claims of up to 1 million employees. <laughs> yes, yes, I have 1 million employees. Okay. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like, I mean, I stand by my original point that means testing emergency funds is bad. But yeah, yeah. I mean, like, this seems like something you could probably automate. Just like, just automate it so, to reject things that uh, don't take place in the realm of uh, reality. Well, A million employees. Come I on. mean, as we've seen, look, things should be better. I agree. But as we've seen many, many times, like... Tech literacy or any kind of like thing working as it should be Government intended to work not, yeah. does not work correctly. The fucking Obamacare website crashed on the first day. Yeah, and and <laughs> and to be fair, like you know, I'm sure there wasn't like 50. I think there probably was 50. But what I'm saying is like the majority of people weren't out there scamming for millions of dollars. Some people were probably scamming for like twenty thousand, thirty thousand dollars, thinking they would fly under the radar. I need paycheck protection for my one million employees, please. Yes. <laughs> I have one million families that need depend on me to pay the rent what's, and keep their kids fed. What's the maximum amount of employees I can put down? <laughs> a million, you say? And they're going to give me how much? Oh, this is the perfect crime. 
<laughs> I'll be long gone before they ever catch me. Anyways, on, uh, on July 14th, 2020, according to prosecutors, Udam Zin bought, uh, sought a loan for a business that he said had 10 employees and revenue of $235,000 over a year. The next month, court documents state the SBA deposited $85,000 into a bank account in Udam Zin's name. Court filings give few details about the alleged Pokemon card purchase, such as which pocket monster it carried. <laughs> Simply <laughs> stating that Udomzin bought it on or about January 8th of this year. It had to have been like one of those Charizards. A Pokemon? Well, which one was it? <laughs> I just love like a like a, a judge. Uh, well, well we, hold on. Are we talking like a foil variant? <laughs> Can we get a uh, Pokemon expert Bruce Green in here to value these First cards? First edition, second edition. Uh, yeah. What what kind of cards are we talking here? Is it? Uh, I, I I literally don't know enough Pokemon names to make a joke about this other than uh, the lizard, Bulbasaur, the lizard. Charizard, Charizard, uh, Pikachu, uh, Shoe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mr. Toxic Gas, uh, the one that looks like an umbrella. And many others. All very good Pokemon, I, I Timothy assume. Chalamet. Are we talking about a Pikachu here? What, what kind of card is it? Uh, but at, look, if this happened during peak pandemic, got to say that card's probably worth more now than it was when he bought it because all these physical collectibles have skyrocketed in price. So maybe everyone's, everyone's collecting stuff these days. And to his credit, it was a very modest scam. Yeah. It was like, yeah, 80 grand from a program that's worth a, a trillion dollars. Who could notice? After all, why shouldn't I? <laughs> I've earned it. Haven't I earned it by being American, paying mm. my taxes? Uh, anyways, moving on to a far more relatable story, though. Uh, if you got lost and your life depended on simply answering your phone for an unknown number, would you do it? <laughs> uh, in, hind in hindsight, it does seem like the uh, answer would be an easy and obvious yes. But nowadays, it seems like any number that calls you is either a telemarketer or a straight-up sc scam. So yeah. not... <laughs> It's pretty easy to just avoid those calls. You you really don't think that the person on the other end is actually trying to save your life. Yeah. It's uh unless it's a family member or a very close friend, I don't answer the phone and I don't have a voicemail either. So it just yeah. goes straight to like dead air. Yeah, I I do tend to if I if I'm if I'm free, I'll pick up the phone. But yeah, 90% of the time. You pick up the phone? Yeah. Don't know the number? It took me a lot of, a long time. How many times out of like all the times has it been something worthwhile? Uh almost never. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it'll be like maybe the bank checking if, you know, a purchase was fraudulent. Mm. Um, but even then I've noticed like most legit businesses now text you. Well, or, uh, well with, uh, at least on my phone, it'll come up with the business's yeah. name if it's a registered business. Yeah. So. Generally speaking. So yeah. I uh, missed a call from my doctor like once or twice and I, and it, it cost me $50 cause I missed the, uh, the, uh, whatever the phone yeah. Thing that happened to, there is a while, to your doctor about it. I got on some scam telemarketer list for Chinese people. So I was getting mm. recorded messages in Chinese, like on a daily basis. Yeah. It was driving me insane. And then there's, you know, the uh the one where it's like, this is the IRS. <laughs> Except it's in like a heavy Indian accent. Like, hello, this is the IRS. Uh, yeah, I I just we're, I, we're I, sending a warrant to your <laughs> Literally won't, you right won't pick up the phone at all. And if they text me or something comes in the mail, then it's like, all right, I see it. Yeah. Have you ever, have you traveled? And uh, like uh, when I went to go see my parents in Florida uh, after I got the vaccine earlier this year, like I would get spam calls from Florida. Yeah. And then I'd come back to California, I'd be back to California numbers. And also if you go to like Orange County, I'd get Orange County. Like, it's, it's very strange how 
It works. Yeah. Anyways, needless to say, I would say anyone under Generation X probably doesn't answer their phone. Yeah, and I, and I totally get why you wouldn't. Yeah. It's uh, this, the, the voice calling in this country is completely fucking broken. And why do you want to get on the phone and talk? Just text. Like, if it's, a, I want to hear my parents' voice, sure, sometimes. But, like, even a friend, it's just like, it's much easier for me to just text. Yeah. But, uh, anyways, this, this actually happened uh, to one hiker in the Rocky Mountains recently. Uh, here's a story from Newsweek. A hiker who was missing for more than 24 hours on Colorado's highest mountain ignored repeated phone calls from a search and rescue team because they came from an unknown r- number, it has been revealed. As first reported by the Sacramento Bee, Lake County Search and Rescue found their efforts to locate a hiker lost on Mount Albert on Monday, October 18th, significantly hindered after the individual failed to respond to multiple calls. After several several attempts to contact him by phone, five Lake County Search and Rescue team members were deployed at around 10 p.m. to search high-probability areas around Mount Albert. They failed to locate the hiker. They returned back to their base at around 3 a.m. the next day with a second search team made up of three search and rescue members picking up the search at 7 a.m. At around 9.30 a.m., it was reported that the man had returned to their place of lodging. The hiker told the authorities they had lost the trail around nightfall and had spent the subsequent hours searching for it before finally reaching their car. They had no idea a search and rescue operation had been launched to try and locate them. Quote, one of the notable takeaways is that the subject ignored repeated phone calls from us because they didn't recognize the number, Lake County Search and Rescue said. If you're overdue according to your itinerary and you start getting repeated calls from an unknown number, please answer the phone. It may be a search and rescue team trying to confirm you're safe. A total of 32.5 man hours were dedicated to the search. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Imagine being completely oblivious to this and just being like, wait, what? I'm sorry. I have anxiety. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, you know, you're like lost on a trail now. You're like, oh God, I'm going to die out here. Ringtones are very triggering for me. You could have texted. You had my number. Why not just send a text? Yeah. You know, it's kind of rude to call someone. <laughs> exactly. I could be in the middle of something. But yeah, you're, you're like out on a trail. It's like, you know, it's it's fall. Yeah. You're like, oh God, the temperature's going to drop. I could die out here. Oh, oh, thank God. Someone's calling. You pick it up and they're like, hi, we're trying to reach you about your car's extended warranty. Oh my God. No! <laughs> just throw the phone off the cliff. Yeah. I'd rather die. But if it was the same number calling repeatedly, that's probably important because these scammers, like, they're playing a numbers game. Like, if yeah, they just move on. They're not going to keep calling you over and over again yeah. if you don't pick up the first time. So there you go. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. If, yeah, obviously, if you if someone might think you're lost, you should answer the phone. But if you're a search and rescue team, SMS, baby. That's also the uh, the the thing with uh, with this. And specifically me, would be I would just be like, oh, I... I don't want to answer the phone or like act like I'm lost because I don't want to be a bother to anybody. Yeah. Like I don't want to say I don't want to call nine one one. Like I'll find the way. Yeah. I don't want. To... No, don't worry about it. I yeah. mean, like, how what? embarrassing would it be if someone had to come get me because I'm lost? Yeah, that's yeah, that's another thing. Just this generation, man. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, the guy he probably ended up feeling bad about the whole thing. Yeah. Although he didn't seem to be too affected by getting lost, mainly because he did end up finding his way back. So. Yeah. Things could have gone a lot worse for him, but yeah, it's funny to imagine a whole squad of people out searching for you. Your phone keeps ringing. You're just like, what the fuck? Stop calling. <laughs> Who is I'm this? trying to find my way back to the I'm car. I'm lost. I don't have time for a phone call. I have all the batteries going to my flashlight right Duh. now. Yeah. But uh, over in YouTube news, uh, looks like there's a new feature coming to the platform, and it seems like it might be a good idea, considering the fact that we just recently spoke about how hard it is to find new quality channels to follow in recent years due to the fact that YouTube is just a gigantic platform. Yep. There's millions of channels. Yep. 
Uh, it's called New to You. And it's basically just an extra tab on the YouTube homepage that is supposed to show you channels that you haven't watched before, but whose content aligns with your viewing habits. So it sounds like it's kind of just an extension of the recommended tab that sits uh, next to the videos that you're watching. But uh, hey, whatever works. I, the, the base point of this is like, you have not watched a video from this channel, oh. but we think that you would like it. Yeah, that, that would be great. Uh, here's TechCrunch with more info. The new tab surfaces content that aligns with your viewing preferences from channels that you haven't previously encountered. It's meant to go a step further than YouTube's Explorer listings, which help users find content in specific topics, such as gaming or beauty, but doesn't take users' specific interests into account. YouTube notes that new to you is personalized to the viewer as it's trying to strike a balance between content it thinks users might be interested in, along with content that is a bit different than what they typically watch. You've told us that you want to see new creators and new videos after you've caught up on your recommendations, so we hope this new option keeps things fresh while also helping creators connect with new audiences, YouTube outlined in a blog post. So, uh, yeah, I guess we we got a front row seat to see if this actually works. Yeah. We're a bit stagnant ourselves. Who so, isn't these uh, days? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we'll keep watching that subscription number slowly, just... Trickle up. Do you want to say thanks to last week? We, we, yeah, we're we like, had we need 215. Like, yeah, we needed uh, 30. And uh, I couldn't believe that there were people watching that uh, that weren't subscribed. Yeah. So thank, thank you. you for that. Thank you. You you were that special last mile that we needed. The uh, If it does like shoot up because of this new feature, we will be sure to let you know. Although uh, there are people that just... Very supportive people who watch that subscriber number tick up and congratulate us on yeah. Milestone. So thank you for that as well. So yeah, if for some reason our sub numbers start going wild, we will give YouTube and Susan... The credit they deserve. A long overdue big thumbs up. Mm -hmm. You earned it. Uh, in other news uh, from YouTube, though, it looks like the platform is finally fully cracking down on videos meant for children that are just low effort, terrible, or actually bad influences. Uh, this has been a problem since YouTube became ubiquitous in the world of content. And it really peaked a few years back, as you'll all probably remember with the whole Spider-Man and Elsa videos. Uh, as well as other videos that seemed like, and in some cases were, just coming from weird content farms. Yes. Like... Just basic 3D. Just a bunch of assets. Yeah. Uh, they're yeah. like, let's get it. We're going to do the Itsy Bitsy Spider song for 12 hours. But with Spider Man, Elsa, Batman, uh, and uh, Shrek. Yeah. And, All fucking somewhere in the background. And the B from the B movie. Yeah. And uh, also lots of weird ones where they're like, uh, Doing shots and injections. Yeah, injections. And, yeah, that's it was weird. But this, this, they, they really went after that back then. This is more just like, just bad kids content. Yeah. Stuff that doesn't belong on the platform. Rot your fucking terrible. brain. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> here's uh, Engadget on the platform's latest move in an attempt to stop incentivizing lazy content aimed at specifically children. Google has announced a policy change to push YouTube creators to produce and publish higher quality content for kids. Starting next month, the company will demonetize channels that primarily target young people or market themselves as made for kids if the content they upload is of low quality. By YouTube's definition, that can include overly commercial videos and ones that encourage bad behaviors. Per the new guidelines, YouTube warns those videos may see limited or no ads. Additionally, the company says violating its new content guidelines could lead to removal from the YouTube partner program. Our ultimate goal is to foster a safe and enriching environment for families while rewarding trusted creators who are making high-quality kids and family content, Google said of this latest policy change. It may take some time before the new guidelines elevate the quality of content on YouTube, so it doesn't hurt to keep an eye out on what your children are watching yeah yeah but that's the thing is like i've seen uh, my my friend has a, a a kid a young kid and uh i went over there and it's just watching the coco melon which to me looks like like low grade low effort yeah. uh, just assets 
produced into a thing, but apparently it's not. Apparently every kid in the world loves Cocoa Melon. Okay. Right. I don't know anything about kids stuff. <laughs> I watch I watch videos for adults. <laughs> Me, I just watch Blippy because I, I really love dump trucks. I only watch fire trucks and garbage trucks. I only watch adults only content. <laughs> like this channel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Anyway, let's move on now over to some gaming news for all the epic gamers out there. Yeah. Seems like every company <laughs> With a whole bunch of IP, it's just jumping on that Super Smash Bros. hype train. We saw it recently with that Nickelodeon fighting game, which looked kind of great, but also doesn't feature any of the original voice actors, which seems like a pretty vital part of giving these iconic animated characters life in the video game. Yeah, they're uh, just like doing grunts and stuff. Yeah, uh, but now Warner Brothers and DC are apparently doing their own Smash Brothers clone, and... Uh, the possibilities are, are endless. It's basically uh, the background of Space Jam, the movie. I So that's the thing. is like everything that Warner Brothers has, not everything, but Warner Brothers seems like hell-bent on doing like, we want to do projects, only projects that smash all of our intellectual property into one thing. We need to make like, there. it's like a desperate move to like just build this universe for everyone. Yeah. Like, you remember the Looney Tunes? You remember the Flintstones? Look, they, they're they in the same universe. They exist yeah. in the same universe. It's like that theory that the Jetsons lived above the Flintstones. Yeah. They had some crossovers. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you're going to get to be like Speedy Gonzalez versus uh, Alex the Droog from Clockwork Orange. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The possibilities are, are limitless here. The, the cast of Lord of the Rings versus the cast of Mad Max. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Bugs Bunny versus Harry Potter. Fuck it. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Scorpion versus uh, Foghorn Leghorn. Oh, yeah, because they own that shit, too. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, here's GameSpot. Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment, the gaming division of the media giant, might be working on a multiverse-themed platform fighter featuring Batman, Gandalf, and other Warner Brothers characters duking it out in a Smash Brothers-style fighting game. Over the weekend, a rumor popped up on Reddit regarding a new crossover platform fighting game featuring WB characters. The post said this game was in development at Mortal Kombat studio NetherRealm, but reporter Jeff Grubb said this isn't true, though the game is real, Grubb said. Characters in this rumored game are said to include Shaggy from Scooby-Doo, Gandalf from The Lord of the Rings, Tom and Jerry, Batman, Fred Flintstone. Yeah, but never do. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. Uh, Mad Max, Johnny Bravo. Hey there, pretty mole. Uh, and potentially Harry Potter and Ron, though their inclusion is not a sure thing, the report said. I want to see the, the cast of The Sopranos. In <laughs> Christopher Moltisanti versus Fred Flintstone. Harry Potter versus the, the son from Succession. Yeah. <laughs> Roman Roy versus Harry Potter. Like full mocap, like yeah. old school Mortal Kombat mocap. Yeah, with Kieran Culkin doing all of his, his fun quips. Yeah, <laughs> the possibilities are truly endless. And I really hope they, they really go for like the ultimate weird factor with all of it. It would be just incredible. Yeah, I, I love this. What was that game, uh, Salty Bet? Yeah, with a, yes! They were using the like Mugen open source fighting game yeah. uh, creator, and it was uh, it might even still be going, but it was like it was like sprites from every yeah, it was property. just like every possible character it was like thousands of characters that had been like uh, added by like community modders into this fighting game, and it'd just be like just yeah. random fights. It, 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 the, 
just the craziest, like, shit you would never even think about. Are you going to bet on Ryu or uh, Bigfoot the monster truck? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean. It was fucking awesome. Yeah, they should do that and then just run a 24-hour Intellectual channel. property fighter. Like, yeah. Don't even, don't even pretend it's not what it is. It's just intellectual property fighter. It, Which honestly, IP will win? This is so, if done right, going to be awesome. But really, I, I would be far more entertained in the Salty Bets version of it where it becomes an interactive thing with the audience where you're betting on yeah. just the most ridiculous matchups possible. They should have every Joker. You got Joaquin Phoenix Joker, yeah. Heath Ledger Joker, uh, the old Batman 66 Joker, yeah. Jack Nicholson Joker. The meme Joker. I'm yeah. a Joker, baby! <laughs> yeah. yeah, they own that. They own all the Jokers. It's going to be all those Lego characters, too. Yeah, Lego Joker. Mm-hmm. Game of Thrones. Yeah. There you go. So I think this is awesome. <laughs> this is the best decision Warner Brothers has ever made. Uh, on, on, their article continues. <laughs> <laughs> on September 27th, Warner Brothers filed a trademark application for a new game called Multiverses. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Whether or not the rumor and multiverses are connected is unknown. But, again, gotta hand it to him. That name is actually perfect. Yeah. Oh, I love this so much. It, the, the guy starting the fight is gonna be Don Cheadle from the new Space Jam movie. Larry David? <laughs> Larry <laughs> David versus Jeff. <laughs> Did you see the new episode? I have not watched it yet. It's great. But I, I'm a huge fan of Curb. New so. Curb Your Enthusiasm episode is out now, and it is. It's great. I mean, it's nothing like... Larry David versus Gandalf the Great. <laughs> I think it's great. I think, it's gonna, I think this is the best idea they've ever had. And also, doesn't... Does Warner Brothers own all of Adult Swim? Yeah. I feel like it's good Johnny Bravo's in there. Cartoon Network. Frylock. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> yeah, you could, the, moral oral. Yeah, why not? Fuck it, Tim and Eric. <laughs> Tim and Eric, put him in the game. Doctor Steve Brule. <laughs> they have so much intellectual property. It would be a foolish to not <laughs> you, take this to its fullest this potential. Most, this is going to be the most like profitable DLC packs I've ever seen. The fucking Tim and Eric Universe DLC yeah. pack. <laughs> I fucking love this. I unironically love this. Yeah. So get weird with it. Guys. I, need, I need every single one of you in the comments to put the perfect Warner Brothers intellectual property matchup. Yeah. And whoever gets the most uh, updates or whatever it is on fucking YouTube, the most thumbs up, uh, you win. I'll, I'll mention it in the next episode or something. But I just come up with the shit that we haven't even thought about because we're on the spot. It's hard. You have Wikipedia. They, they have so much intellectual property. Too, <laughs> so. Go look. It is a wide web of intellectual property. Yeah. Anyways, I've, I'm so looking forward to this game. I can't, they better rush this thing out. I don't care how many people have to work overtime for nothing. Get this game on the shelf. We need you guys to render about <laughs> 2,000 characters as fast as you can. And since you work for Warner Brothers, why don't you render yourself into the game too? Yeah, fuck it. Uh, anyways, uh, that's it for today's episode. Uh, stay tuned for uh, more, more coming up. Uh, if you haven't already, watch Weekly Weird News uh, and uh, News Dump. And uh, technically, Machinima was part of Warner Brothers. Maybe we'll be in the game. Yeah, put us in the game. Put us in the game. <laughs> DLC pack. All right, bye. Bye.